Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. Many people know the importance of healthy eating. This includes reading labels for themselves and their children, but they don't think twice about what they feed their four-legged family members. Joining us next is Dr. Judy Morgan, a holistic veterinarian and author of the best-selling books, and few of them out there, including three cookbooks for dogs. She's here to expose the startling little-known truth about how common pet food the market can be making our pets sick, destroying their quality of life, and even killing them prematurely. Pet food, even if you see those words all natural and healthy on the label, can still contain chemicals, food dyes, toxins, contaminants, and inflammatory preservatives. Today we'll discuss the best food and other healthful tidbits of information for our pet parent listeners out there. Stay tuned. It all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a certified veterinary acupuncturist, chiropractitioner, and food therapist. After 36 years, she is retired from clinic practice and now focuses on empowering pet parents to provide longer, healthier lives for their pets through educational courses, articles, and speaking engagements. She is a best-selling author of four books and has appeared on CNN, PBS, ABC, NBC, and hundreds of radio shows and podcasts, including this one today. Her e-commerce site, Naturally Healthy Pets, provides high-quality products to enrich the lives of animals. She teaches pet owners how to use natural healing therapies and minimize the use of chemicals, vaccinations, and poor-quality processed food. Welcome to the show, Dr. Judy Morgan. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I've been looking forward to our interview, and I'm positively certain our listeners are going to love this. And that's a pun there. That's intended there. Positive. (laughs) (laughs) Share with us first, what do cat and dog parents need to know when shopping for pet food? It can be confusing. It's absolutely confusing. Walking down that pet food aisle at the grocery store or walking into a big box pet store can just be overwhelming because there are literally thousands of choices. And it's really no different when shopping for pet food than it is when shopping for pet food. You have to be a label reader, but you also have to understand some of the tricks that they play on those labels so that they're hiding things from you, which is pretty unscrupulous, but that's how they do it. Yeah, yeah. I've read that pet food can include, boy, putrefied flesh from dead animals, expired retail meat from grocery stores. These would be considered illegal health hazards for humans to consume. Why is it okay to throw this into our pet food? That is a really good question. And really, the answer is that FDA has chosen to turn a blind eye, and they don't actually enforce the laws that they actually have made. Legally, it states that animals that have died otherwise than by slaughter are illegal to be used in pet food. However, if cows die out in the field or pigs or any animal dies of natural causes or illness, they can then be used in pet food illegally, but FDA has chosen not to enforce that. So what happens is those animals that may have been dead in the field for days are put on trucks and taken to what we call rendering facilities. The rendering facilities take all these different dead animals 
and cook them in a big vat and melt them down. And this is all really gross. So sorry, folks, if you're eating, <laughs> but they melt it down in a big vat and then they skim the fat off the top. And that becomes tallow that is sprayed on food to make it taste better. And then all that melted down meat byproduct is then dried. And that is a rendered product. Unfortunately, even the head of the biggest rendering company in the U.S. stated at one of our meetings that it is nearly impossible or impossible to have a rendered product that does not contain euthanasia solution because animals that were euthanized or put to sleep using chemicals, pentobarbital, are being used to make pet food. So you may be feeding your pet euthanasia solution every time you pour that food into the bowl and you don't know it because it certainly is not on the label. Jeez. Yeah, that's scary. I didn't know that. I heard also that 60% of cats and dogs in the United States are overweight or obese. We don't think about that. What is causing this? Are these animals stagnant, binge watching Netflix shows? <laughs> Should they be out there running more? <laughs> well, they don't get enough exercise. That is truly a problem in this country. But we also tend to overestimate what our animals should look like. So we look at them and think that they're perfectly normally proportioned when in reality they are obese. So it's sort of having to learn what they should look like. They should have a waist. It should be tucked up. But the other problem is when we feed commercial kibble, which is dry food, which is rendered products and then they're cooked at very high heats and they go through this process called extrusion, in order to make it stick into a kibble, it has to have a starch source in it, so high carbohydrates. So about the maximum meat content that can be found in an extruded kibble is about 30%. Well, dogs and cats are meant to be meat eaters, particularly cats. They're obligate carnivores. Dogs are classified more as an omnivore, but really on the more carnivorous side. So they don't process carbohydrates very well, and yet we are feeding them diets that are 50 and 60% carbohydrate. And that literally just puts a huge sugar burden on their body. So we see a lot of diabetic animals, we see obese animals, we see the same things that we would see in people with highly processed diets. We've got all these inflammatory ingredients in the processed food that we're feeding to our animals. So we're getting obesity, we're getting arthritis, chronic pancreatitis, diabetes, you name it. Anything that ends in itis is an inflammatory disease. And all these inflammatory diseases are keeping our veterinary industry way too busy and really shortening the lives of our pets. Yeah, I know with humans, it's they eat healthy. It's just when they get home and they snack, it's those potato chips. It's the popcorn <laughs> with the gobs of butter. Is it the same with doggy and cats? Like the treats? I'm sure just like human snacks, they can pack on the pounds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Most of it is actually when we read the directions on the bag or can or box of food and they tell you how much to feed your pet, they are actually telling you how much to feed an active, energetic lifestyle pet. Well, most of us have couch potato pets. They're not out there working hard. They're not hunting. They're not racing. They're not what we consider an active lifestyle. So if you follow the directions on the container, you're probably overfeeding your pet and giving them too many calories. Then when you add processed treats and snacks, many of which are very high in salt, very high in sugar, contain dyes, carcinogenic preservatives, I recommend not shopping for any treats in the grocery store aisle. Really bad place to be buying pet treats. 
Actually, I don't recommend any pet food in the grocery store aisle either. So we are just giving out too many calories and not getting enough activity. But we look at our pets and even if we upped their activity, so people will say to me, oh, I take him on a walk three times a day for 10 minutes. He's probably getting in a mile and a half. Well, that's not considered an active lifestyle for a dog. And most of our cats are not going outside and they literally are windowsill sitters all day long. So they're definitely not getting the exercise that they need. So we have to look at what are we putting into them. And we also have to see how can we increase. Actually, it's not even just exercise, it's mental stimulation as well. And that's how we're going to get a longer life with our pets. Yeah. Is there anything pet owners should not offer their furry family members when it comes to treats? Like is peanut butter safe for dogs? That seems to be a go-to for dogs. It does seem to be a go-to, and I am so against feeding peanut butter to dogs for so many reasons. I don't even like it for people, but a lot of peanut butter has artificial sweeteners in it, like xylitol, which is toxic. It will kill your dog. No peanut butters or anything that has xylitol, candies, anything like that. But peanuts are commonly contaminated with aflatoxin, which is a mold toxin, which is very hard for our pet's liver to deal with. So we get a lot of liver failure secondary to mold toxins. We also see those same mold toxins in pet food, particularly if it's got a lot of corn in it, a lot of grains, a lot of legumes. Those are commonly contaminated with molds. And even if they're cooked at high heat, we have the toxins still in there. And in the rendering process, when we cook like the whole animal down, so that's including the intestines and all the feces that's inside the intestines, there's bacteria in there. Those bacteria release endotoxins as well. Those toxins are not killed by the heat process. My recommendation for pet parents is feed human-grade food. And we are so lucky that the pet food industry is changing ever so slowly. We still have the big players, the big companies that produce the same over-processed food for people. They also produce a couple of them. Their pet food markets are now bigger than their human food markets. But we want to avoid those highly processed foods and we want to feed human-grade ingredients so that you make sure that you're not getting that diseased cow or diseased chicken as part of your pet's food, that you're getting something that is human edible. So a lot of the newer companies that are coming on board are human grade. And in order to make those claims on their label, they have to jump through a lot of hoops if it's human grade or organic. They can use claims like natural, holistic, those sorts of things mean nothing. So anybody can put that on the bag label. So be very careful about not falling for if it has a picture of a wild wolf and mountains in the background. That doesn't mean it's any better. It's just a nice picture on the bag. It may have pictures of filet mignon or grilled steak or fresh vegetables. That doesn't mean that that is in there. It's just a marketing ploy. So a little trick that people can use. So when you see foods that say, oh, we included blueberries for the antioxidants or cranberries or some of these beautiful, bright, leafy green vegetables, and they're on the cover of the bag. Read the label. Look for where salt is on the list because salt is usually at 0.5% of the ingredients. So if the blueberries are below the salt, you've got less than 0.5% blueberries in that bag. You've probably got one blueberry in there. 
not going to do a whole lot of good. <laughs> not a whole lot. You're also a big advocate of cooking for our pets, and that not only saves money, but it puts us really in full control of what we feed our pets. And share with us what healthy human food can we cook for our fur babies, and there's just something we should be avoiding, probably not pizza, right, or cooking spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> so really, if it's healthy for you, it's healthy for our pets, except for a few things, grapes, raisins, currants, things in that family are toxic for our pets, can cause kidney failure. Cream of tartar. So if you're making snickerdoodle cookies, they're not healthy for you because of the sugar, but they're really dangerous for our pets because of cream of tartar. And we actually, on our website, drjudymorgan.com, we have a list of superfoods that you can add to your pet's bowl. There's a great study out of Purdue University a couple decades ago, actually, where they took a large litter of, I think, Labradors. So they had about 15 dogs. And they split them in half. They all got dry kibble, but half of them got 30% of their kibble replaced with fresh fruits, vegetables, and meats. And those dogs had a two-plus year longer lifespan than the ones that didn't get any fresh food. So fresh food, even if you're adding small amounts, can make a huge difference. For my own pets, the reason I write cookbooks, and my dogs and my cats all eat raw food. So I don't cook it. I feed it to them like they would get it in nature. You can feed raw or you can gently cook. So gently cook is at a lower temperature. So using something like a slow cooker is like an ideal way to make food for your pets because it's not at real high heat. Some pets don't like it raw. They prefer it cooked. People get really afraid because they've been warned not to feed raw food to their pets because it'll make the entire family sick. Let me tell you, if you're handling raw meats from the grocery store and preparing them for your family, those are much more highly contaminated than raw dog food because the FDA has a zero tolerance policy for bacteria in raw pet food. So there's a huge difference. So if you're used to handling raw meat for your family, you can handle raw meat for your pets as well. So the recipes in my recipe books, one, the yin and yang nutrition for dogs, maximizing health with whole foods, not drugs, actually has recipes to treat heart disease, kidney disease, liver disease. If you have a healthy pet and you just want to keep them healthy, we've got recipes my most famous one is Puploaf. Puploaf is trademarked. It's being made all over the world, and it's actually available commercially now through a pet company called allprovide.com. But it is complete balanced nutrition for your pet using all human-grade ingredients. So that's really what you want to look for. What would you feed your family? And that is shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. And that's really where we want to be shopping for our pets as well. And where is processed pet food? It's not on the perimeter of the grocery store. It's in the middle with all the processed food. Yeah. That's true. You know, it's frustrating how many vets don't offer any diet and nutrition advice. But then again, most medical doctors don't either. So I guess it goes hand in hand. But, you know, they just push these supposedly healthier prescription foods, which they sell. And, and I'll tell you, it made my cat sicker. I've got a sick cat. You've been helpful with guiding me on, on healthy recipes and immune boosting supplements. But boy, every time I fed a new, quote, prescription cat food, what are these prescriptions and why are they not available if they're so good? Oh, my gosh. So this is something we've been fighting with the FDA and AFCO, which is the American feed control officials who kind of set the rules for what can and cannot be included in pet food. And unfortunately, there's a lot of lobbying that goes on by big pet food companies and their organizations to get all these really subpar ingredients put into pet food. The weird thing about prescription diets is you can only get them with a prescription from your veterinarian. 
They are made with really poor quality ingredients, a lot of those rendered ingredients, a lot of fillers. Like If you see cellulose on a bag, it's sawdust. They're using it as a fiber filler content, which why would we do that? Why would we put sugars in pet food? Why would we put dyes in pet food? There's just no need for it. But when you get a prescription diet, it is meant to be used very short term. There is no medication in it, so there's really no need for it to be a prescription. This is collusion between the veterinary industry and the pharmaceutical industry and the pet food industry. So there's no medication in there. There's nothing medicinal about that diet. The ones that are used for urinary tract disease in kitty cats, they have the addition of L-methionine, which acidifies the urine. That's an amino acid. It's not this miracle cure. And they add more salt to get the cat to drink more so that they dilute their urine and flush their bladder better. There's nothing magical there. So they're supposed to be used very short term. And unfortunately, a lot of times you get that prescription and your animal is kind of sentenced to life of eating that really subpar food. The other thing is the prescription diets have very similar ingredients to their over-the-counter foods that are labeled like for urinary tract disease or for obesity, whatever. They're very similar ingredients, but they cost twice as much per pound because they are, quote, prescription. So I am very against the prescription pet food industry. It is a huge moneymaker for both pet food and veterinary industry for veterinary clinics that sell a lot of prescription diets. That can make up up to 20% of their income in their clinic over the course of a year because you have to come back in every month to pick up more. And when you're there, oh, yeah, I need an appointment for this or I'll pick up this. So it's a way to get you to keep showing up on the doorstep, but it's not a healthy way. And that's why I write books on you can treat these same things using whole foods in your kitchen, whether you cook them, whether you make them raw, you can have a better outcome for half the cost or less, and your animal will be much healthier in the long run. Yeah, definitely more than half the cost. That stuff is so expensive. And when you guided me to cook for my pet, it was like, wow, I'm saving money, time, because I do it on the weekend and then uh, have a few days. So my, what a difference. And like you said, you're brainwashing to believe, hey, prescription, this cat food's better, this dog food's better, and, and it's just not true. Are there any common beliefs that make you cringe, like any pet myths that you can bust today? Oh, my gosh. The other thing that makes me crazy is the over-vaccination of our pets and We know that the core vaccines that we give our pets, so rabies, distemper, parvo, the feline rhinotracheitis and herpes, those vaccines actually, one vaccine may last a lifetime. They definitely last at least five to seven years, yet 60% of the veterinary industry still sends you that reminder to get a vaccine every single year for your animal. They don't need them. Cats like to make tumors secondary to vaccines. So we recommend getting titers. If you need proof for boarding, grooming, daycare, whatever, you can have a blood test drawn called a titer, and that'll tell you whether your pet has protection. And if they have immunity, why would you give them another vaccine? So the vaccine industry is also trying to kill our pets. And then the other thing that I really, really can't stress enough is stop throwing pesticides in and on your animals. There are oral products that are supposed to kill fleas and ticks, They're pesticides. We are feeding these to our pets and they're dying at huge numbers. Some of these products, we've had hundreds of thousands of adverse event reports. And when we had a conversation with FDA about it, they said, we haven't seen enough deaths yet. How many do we need? Is 100,000 not enough? Stop with the chemicals. On our website, we have 
tons of information, natural ways to keep fleas and ticks and parasites off your pets. And I will tell you that the healthier your pet is, the better their immune system works, the less likely they are to have an infestation of any kind of parasite. My dogs and my cats get zero chemicals. We live in the country. We live on a farm. We don't have parasite problems because they're healthy. They're eating high quality food. They don't get vaccinated. They don't have any chemicals put on them. And they're living well into their late teens. And we've got cats that are living well into their 20s. And that's what we want to see. Fantastic. I know the the word doctor means teacher, and you've truly lived up to that title. You share so much on social media. I follow you, learn so much, and you put together an e-commerce platform that contains over 400 hand-picked natural pet health products and videos, webinars for pet parents and pet professionals. And tell us more. You said people don't like, you don't recommend going to the pet aisle, the grocery store. This gives them an option, right? Could they not just go to you and then just skip that aisle and, and go back to their own produce section? We certainly have a lot of recipes. We have free downloads for recipes on the website. So if you don't even want to buy a book, we've got recipes available. We do sell a little bit of freeze-dried food, but we're not really set up for handling food. Like my dogs and cats eat raw frozen food. So I have it shipped to me from companies that I love. And if you want to know which companies I love, sign up for my newsletter in your inbox. You will get, this is what I'm willing to feed my pet. And you'll get the list of companies that I am willing to feed their foods to my pets. Yeah. You know, so many pet owners go through such emotional financial hardships when their pet gets ill. I'm one of them going through that now. And many never get over the pain of having their uh, pet euthanized. And you shared a video recently on social media on how to know when it's time to say goodbye. Considering most of us are going to outlive our pets, what advice can you share? It is heart-wrenching. So we just made a course and launched it recently on hospice and palliative care for dogs because I think that many times we jump into euthanasia because we think we have no other options. And the veterinarians are very busy and they don't know your pet like you know your pet. And I can tell every pet parent out there, you will know when it's time. And if you're still questioning if it's time, then it's probably not time yet. But we actually have resources available. I did an interview with Dr. Monica Turen. I think it's Four Paws Wellness is her website, but she is a thanatologist, which means she is a death doctor. That is what she has studied, and she's a veterinarian. So she helps walk people through that process and has tools available for how to determine, is my pet still enjoying life? Do they have a quality of life? Do they have any interest in what's going on around them? I've been through this with a lot of my pets. I lost one to heart disease and kidney disease just a couple of months ago. And he was given three months to live. And 24 months later, he was still going strong. But when he finally said to me, I just can't do this anymore, I honored that decision and we helped him over the bridge. So whether you choose natural death or helping them on that path. And people need to know that there are multiple ways you can do that. You don't need to just drop them off at the veterinarian's office and say goodbye at the door. You can be with them or there are a lot of services now that will come to your house so that they can be in their own environment and you can hold them and they can be in their bed or wherever they're happy. I have done euthanasias under trees in a park, you know, wherever the people felt that this was their special spot. And I know Dr. Turen has crawled under bushes and shrubs and you know, <laughs> she's done crazy things 
but it's really honoring them. So honor what your pet is telling you. And if you get quiet and sit and listen to them, they'll t- I know it sounds woo-woo, but it's not. Your pet will tell you. They're very good at that. Fantastic. In the 30 seconds we have left, anything else you'd like to share that we didn't cover today? No. The only thing I can say is I want your pets to live well into their second and third decades. And that's what we are trying to accomplish. So take heed and let's give our pets a natural life that will get them there. Well, thanks for sharing such a doggone perfect information. Had to throw another pun in there. (laughs) Doggone perfect. (laughs) With one out of two households having a cat or dog. I mean, this is such vital information. So thank you for uh, being here with us today. To learn more, you want to visit drjudymorgan.com. And while there, be sure and check out the many resources available, including articles, videos, podcasts, products, and more. Also check out the plethora of information available at drjudyu.com and you can follow Dr. Judy on Instagram and YouTube at Dr. Judy Morgan on Facebook it's at Judy Morgan DVM and for my daily health post follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Dr. David Friedman on Instagram I'm at Dr. D Friedman if you heard something today that can benefit a pet owner that you know send them a link to this podcast it's available to you goodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends, family, co-workers, and on social media. As I always say, sharing is caring. You can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and iTunes. More to come. Stay tuned and stay well.